Welcome to episode 115 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi, friends. So we all know how important it is to support our gut health, but it can be pretty tricky wading through all the probiotic waters. There are just so many probiotic options out there, and it can be really hard to know which one to choose, and even if you're getting the real deal. Well, there is one probiotic I can absolutely stand behind and that's P3OM. It was developed by the amazing guys over at Bioptimizers. They use a patented process to develop the specific strain of Lactobacillus plantarum, which can actually digest the protein coating of pathogens like yeast, mold, viruses, and even parasites. And it can also boost amino acid absorption for your gut, muscles, and even brain. I recently had a flare-up of GI distress, and guys, P3OM saved me. And what's even more exciting is Bioptimizers is launching a completely new reformulated P3OM called P3OM 2.0, and it is two times stronger than before. I tried it and it is awesome. It helped my bloating, my IBS, and let's just say it's going to be a consistent in my toolbox. And of course, we've got a discount for you guys. Just go to bioptimizers.com slash ifpodcast and use the code ifpodcast at checkout to save 20%. You can use that on P3OM 2.0 or any of their other products. All right, now enjoy the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 115 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am fabulous, working really hard, like don't even have time to sit down. It feels like (laughs) I've got a lot going on. Join the club. I still wish there was like 48 hours in the day. Yeah. I'm definitely not feeling feeling retired these days. <laughs> yeah, I feel like as long as you have passions and things you want to do in life, I mean, what is retirement? I mean, I guess some people like to retire and not work anymore, but for some people, their work is their passion. It's true. You're right. That's That's right. I may be a retired teacher, but I am not retired from doing a lot of work all the time. <laughs> but it's it's a good problem. So I'm thrilled and grateful and not complaining one bit. Yeah, cuz I guess like what is retirement? Because in in the ideal world, you would never be retiring from work because your work would be your your life's purpose. So that's true. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Anything new with you? Yes, a few things. <laughs> so I have a new crazy skincare hack that I came up with. Well, that's fun. What is it? So I've been having some weird water retention in my face. So I was like, I want to look into like coffee-based products. So I was searching for coffee topical treatments. But then, you know, I'm all about minimizing additives and things like that. So I was like, why don't I just put coffee on my face? So starting about three days ago, like I take a shower and then I just put coffee on my face. Oh my goodness. It works so well. Well, that's fascinating. I mean, I could see how it would. That makes sense. So that it was like one of the few situations where I tried something and then researched it rather than the other way around. And then I was researching it later. And I mean, coffee does work topically. I mean, it can break down fat cells, can reduce inflammation, work as an antioxidant, and it is absorbed through the skin. So yeah, you could just put it on your face. And then I was like researching if you would actually get a caffeine boost from it and you can. (laughs) 
Yeah, because you can, you totally, you know, transdermal medications, we know that they, they go in through your skin. So yeah, makes sense. And I think it could also be a little hack for those that are, you know, want to minimize gastric irritants from coffee or who are sensitive butterflies to caffeine like me. So that's my new routine. I'm loving it. (laughs) Well, I might start putting some coffee on my face. (laughs) I'll take my warm shower and then have my my warm coffee and put that on my face. (laughs) But yeah, no, I'm loving it. And then um, second thing, so I talked about this in my group a little bit, but I changed one thing and it has had a huge impact on my life. Well, I can't wait to hear what that is. Would you like to guess? I started doing it and I didn't anticipate that it would work. So I don't think it was like placebo effect. And then I was noticing that because I've been having some residual brain fog and I and I realized that that was completely gone for the three days after I started doing this thing. I was like, what have I changed these past three days? And then I realized this thing I've changed and it has been helping me so much. Now it's been longer than three days. Do you know what it is? Well, no, I can't possibly guess. I mean, I could like start listing like all the things you could be doing and it could be huge. So you're going to have to just tell me. I finally installed my EMF canopy. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) I forgot you had that. Yeah, I hadn't actually put it up yet because of the move. Oh my goodness, Jen, it's amazing. It's amazing. So you put it up and and it blocks all the EMF. Well, not all of it, but a huge portion of it. Now I was waking up and feeling not so well. And now I wake up and I feel like I had a massage. And like my inflammation is going down and my brain fog is getting better. It's crazy. Well, that's really cool. You have to keep us posted. Yeah, I really think there's something to block it. Because I mean, they're showing more and more like scientifically that the waves affect our brains and we are energy. So it may completely make sense. Well, we are. I mean, that's true. You know, my husband, the the chemist, you know, he understands that. Yeah, we are, you know, the at our very basic level, we are energy. So nothing is really solid when you go go down and keep zooming in. You just have, you know, space. So we are energy. So it makes sense that all this electric that we're exposed to, these electrical magnetic field fluctuations would be affecting us for better or worse. So yep, I'll put a link in the show notes to the canopy that I got. And I also just recently ordered an EMF, like, you know, like ghost hunting, the EMF detector things. I ordered one so I can test it. Now, if if you get a tinfoil hat and start wearing that, <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. So I shall report back. Well, that is fascinating because I, I do know that Things we think can't possibly affect us really do. To a lot of people, I might be sounding crazy, but you just wait. I feel like down the road in a few years, we'll realize more and more how bad it is. Sort of like with pesticides, you know? Right. And some of the medications that that were safe and then oops. Yep, yep. Then last night, I finally installed the grounding mat. That was – now I'm like – that was really complicated, but like underneath the bed. Is that part of of the recommendations in the the same book? Well, it wasn't from a book. It was... I wondered because I know the EMF came from Keto Fast. I mean, he talks about it in there, but I had already already bought it. Oh, because I thought you got it right after you read Keto Fast. No, no, no. I'd been wanting one for the longest time. But yeah, Mercola is a huge proponent of... I think his next book is going to be about EMF, actually. I don't know how he's going to write a whole book about it, but (laughs) I don't know if he, yeah, he talks about grounding too. So yeah, I'll report back. Yeah. That's another thing I've talked to my husband about, you know, the fact that we are energy and we do have, you know, things have charges. We see that when we look at lightning and hear, hear the thunder, you know, where it's all just things happening based on charges in the atmosphere. So, you know, I know that I feel better when I go walk on the beach barefooted. It's actually really interesting. So I asked in my group, like, what was everybody's favorite stress-relieving technique? Oh, and this is my Facebook group, by the way, which everybody should join. It's called Paleo OMAD Biohackers. 
with like some subtitle. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But I was asking people what their favorite stress relieving technique was. And I thought a lot of people would say like meditation. I think about 70% of the people said going for a walk. And at first I was thinking, oh, it's because, you know, physical activity and movement and getting outside. But now I'm thinking even with us talking right now, that could be another part of it, you know, like the ground, the ground part of it. But if you have on shoes, you're not grounded. So you have to be barefoot. That's one reason why it's important to be barefoot in nature. I mean, you're not going to do that if you're walking, you know, (laughs) in the winter or on rough terrain. But that's why I think the beach is so, so healing. If there is anything to the science of grounding, then I definitely feel it when I'm at the beach. Oh, I can agree. Yeah, definitely. So crazy things. (laughs) Shall we jump into everything for today? Yes. Before we do that, I want to just say, it does sound crazy, but like I said, my husband, the PhD in medicinal chemistry, he teaches organic chemistry. You know, we have some interesting discussions about some of these things. And, you know, he's a scientist and he's not like, yeah, there's nothing to any of that. It's all ridiculous. He's like, yeah, I can understand. I can see, you know, from the the science side of things. So, you know, don't knock it just because it, it sounds woo-woo. <laughs> Funny. So to that point, so when I first got into all of this, it seemed sort of quote woo woo or crazy. And I always felt the need to research it and validate it and support it and say why it's not crazy. Now that I've done so much research on it, I mean, it seems so obvious and not crazy. Like like once you do the research, you're like, oh, this, I mean, it's kind of silly not to think these things would affect things. So now I'm like on the flip side, I'm like, it's not even remotely crazy. Like I don't even need to (laughs) justify it, but I do because people still, you know, think it's crazy. There's just so much we don't know. And that's what he always says to me. He says, you know, there's so much we don't know and things that we thought, and then we realize, you know, they're not true. So, you know, a real scientist is very open-minded because they realize that there's a lot we don't know. You know, whenever you're like shutting down conversation about everything and saying, no, that can't be, that's because you're not realizing the possibilities. You really want to be, you know, not confused, but just, well, confused for me. Study quantum physics. Have you ever read any quantum physics? They start talking about particles and it's here. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's a lot. But it's just, it's quantum physics is very woo woo. Can I just say, one book I really, actually, really, really love. Well, I love all the work of Stephen Hawking. He actually makes things pretty easy to understand, especially like his his main book, A Brief History of Time. It really helps explain. I mean, he's obviously brilliant, but then there's a reason he does so well popularly. I mean, besides his whole you know physical condition, but he also writes really well, and he has a really funny sense of humor. So I actually really recommend people check out that book. I didn't know we'd be talking about all this right now, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> a real scientist realizes there are still a lot of questions and unknowns. That's just the, I think, the point. You know, thinking that everything is settled, being very closed minded, that's not what, you know, scientists do. Always questioning, always changing, that sort of thing. That's the other crazy thing. So, like in the, the diet world, the science world, but I think even like in the diet world, People will write a book and they'll be a proponent of some sort of protocol or dietary approach. And then it's like if you, you know, research and learn new things and experiment and change your mind about things, it's it's like almost a lose-lose situation because half the people will say, oh, see, now you're going against what you said before. It's ironic that you can't – people aren't more open to change and that if you change your ideas, it can seem like you're – being fickle. Yeah, that you're being fickle or that you're going against what you said or you're being contradictory when I think the nature of learning should be change. It's like, you know, my clean my clean fast infographic. I just revised that today. And I took out some things that were in the original, for example, lemon being in the gray area. You know, the more and more in practice we've had with that, we realize, no, that really is not something you should have during the fast. So you change and evolve as your learning becomes more refined. But I'm not going to suddenly write a book that says fasting is bad. That would be <laughs> – I'm not going to write a book, the the 10 meal a day, you know, weight loss plan. I think that would be – that would be fickle. 
you know, I guess if I suddenly thought fasting was bad, but I don't. Right. Exactly. Which I don't think that will ever happen. But say that did happen. Say that for some reason there was some research or something came out and we realized, I don't think this would ever happen, but we realized fasting is bad. I mean, I don't think that would ever happen. But if that happened, I'm open to the idea that I would change my opinion. Yeah, I can't imagine that happening. That's that's the only thing. Me neither. But in the just within the discussion of our dialogue and like the concept of change, I have to say that I'm open to that happening, but I don't think it will happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not planning on changing that mindset anytime soon. Just because of how great I feel. If it feels so good, it can't be can't be bad. Except for like cocaine. Yeah, I don't think cocaine feels good though when you're coming off of it. You know it's bad. Like you know that you're doing something. I mean, you might feel good in the moment, but you know, it's like when you drink too much and then the next day you have a horrible hangover. You know, you know that was the bad thing to do because of the way you feel. And then you drink dry farm wines for life. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I just placed a new order yesterday. Well, very, very interesting discussion. So before we jump into the actual questions, we got two questions for some brief housekeeping things. We got a quick question from Brooke. The subject was serapeptase brand and dosage. And she said, well, I'm all caught up. I really enjoyed listening to your podcast on walks. Oh, hey, there they are, walks <laughs> in the car and just about wherever I can. Forgive me if you've addressed it, but I'm wondering first, what is your favorite benefit of serapeptase? What brand do you recommend? Where do you purchase yours? What dosage do you recommend? I'm wanting to try them out. Never before hearing of them until I began tuning in. I just want to make sure I purchase something both beneficial and legit. Thanks for your realness and for always presenting different viewpoints regarding IF. Brooke, so I just want to throw that in there because we do keep getting questions about serapeptase and I wanted to remind listeners and tell new listeners if you go to ifpodcast.com slash serapeptase, it's all there dosages, the brands, the recommendations, what it does, all the things. But let's answer Brooke's one question about what is your favorite benefit? Well, I'm going to be honest. I'm not taking it right now. I'm a supplement minimalist, which I've talked about before. And I was taking it for uterine fibroids. And so I'm not having that problem anymore. <laughs> and so I'm not taking it now. Will I ever take it again? I don't know. So there you go. If you were taking it, what is your favorite benefit? Well, I think it helped with my uterine fibroids when I took it. You know, it does. I, I also think it does a lot of the same things that autophagy does, you know, helps us to break things down. So, you know, if I had some sinus issues, I would take it for that purpose, that sort of thing. If you have like proteins, you need to have broken down. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It's sort of similar to autophagy in that way and that it does help break down. It's really good at entering the bloodstream and working systemically to break down residual proteins so it can help with sinuses, allergies, things like that. Oh, that reminded me of something, Jen, because I finished up reading the longevity solution that we talked about last week. There was one little concept that they mentioned that I wanted to bring up. They were talking about how fasting burns through, you know, old proteins in the body, like we talk about a lot. And he was saying that it actually goes to excess skin and immune cells first. I don't know, like... So autophagy goes... It, the first thing it's going to do is eat up the excess skin. Is that what, what you're saying? Yeah, for the proteins. But like, I guess one of the first places it goes to is the excess skin, which that can explain why you know a lot of people find that with intermittent fasting that they can lose weight without having problems of like stretch marks or things like that, or that they do lose that excess skin. Does that come up a lot in the groups, Jen? Yeah. And, and we all know that is what Funk says. He does say that autophagy is great for, you know, helping with that loose skin. You know, I look at photos of myself right after I hit goal, which was in 2015. And that fall when I took Cal to college, the photos of us moving him in, you know, my arms were a lot more saggy than they are now. So my body is definitely tightened up. I haven't put special creams on my skin or done any kind of special anything. It's just I do think it it is related to autophagy. Now, I don't know that, you know, it's the first thing your body's going to work on. I don't know if that's true. I haven't seen any science behind that. Maybe there is some and I just haven't seen it. 
but I do think that your body will work on it. You know, people in the groups are always saying, help, I've lost the weight now, I'm really saggy. You just have to give it time. This is not something that happens overnight. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's one of the nice things about continuing to do IF is it's like every time you do your fast, I feel like you can, you know, chip a a little bit away at some of that extra protein. You know, it's like a a very healthy, long, calm, peaceful process of – it's like slowly deep cleaning your house each and every day. So – and then, yeah, he also said immune cells, which that actually makes sense if we think about the work of like Walter Longo, for example, because I mean – we all know I'm laughing a little bit because, you know, the drama of he's more now for like the the fasting mimicking diet and he has some controversial opinions about intermittent fasting, which we don't have to get into. But regardless, in his research, he has shown that five-day fasts, for example, do have the potential or five-day fasting-like approaches do have the potential to completely revitalize your entire immune system, which would line up with what Dr. Fung is saying in the longevity solution that autophagy goes after immune cells. So, I mean, that can sound like a bad thing, but basically if you think about it, our immune system, it learns things and it basically creates ideas about foreign substances and foreign bodies and, you know, food and environmental factors. And, you know, people can get a lot of food intolerances and allergies and reactions to things. And it can be because their immune system, for whatever reason, has tagged these certain things as, you know, problematic or invaders, and it instigates an inflammatory response. And so since fasting and autophagy can actually break down some of those immune cells and then get rid of those messages and those ideas, there's the potential to have a completely new immune system that doesn't basically, that has a a, a fresher... (laughs) fresher approach to the environment so that you're not reacting to things as intensely and experiencing physical symptoms from things that you might not necessarily should be experiencing problems from. So yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that, Jen? No, I think you went into it very well. No more adding needed. (laughs) All righty. And then there was one other really quick question. This came from Donna. She said, Melanie's new podcast. She said, hi, Melanie. You've mentioned your your new podcast a couple of times, but I haven't been able to find it. I found that you were interviewed by Elle on the Primal Blueprint, which looks like it is done by Mark Sisson, but that doesn't seem like that's the one you've been referring to. I didn't see it listed on your website either. Let me know. Thanks so much. I wanted to include this one as well because I've been getting so many questions from people being like, I can't find your podcast. Where is it? It's because I keep plugging it, but I haven't actually. It's not out yet, guys. (laughs) That's why. It is coming soon, but I do have the tentative title. So unless this changes, it will be called Straight to the Point, The Melanie Avalon Show. And part of me is hesitant about using that name because I really don't want to sound pretentious and make it about like me, but I think it could work really well because it keeps things really broad and it doesn't pigeonhole me into any one topic. And then I can really just explore all of these wonderful, crazy things, diet, health, fitness, biohacking, sleep all the things. So I'm really excited. It does sound very interesting, all the different topics. Mm -hmm. And each episode will be a guest interview, all well-known people. I'm really excited. It's going to be great. I will get on our email list. If you go to ifpodcast.com, get on the email list and I'll definitely be sending out announcements there. Hi friends. I am so encouraged to tell you a little bit about one of our supporters today. That's better help. I'm realizing more and more each day just how important mindset and our inner beliefs are in everything we do. It's not just about diet or health or fitness or our bodies, but what we're experiencing inside our minds daily. And with better help, you get matched with your own licensed professional therapist for anything you might want to work on. Motivation, eating choices, fears, doubts, and insecurities, whatever it may be, so that you can better rock your life. You can work with your counselor for just two weeks or even two years. It's not a crisis line or self-help. It's professional counseling made affordable for everyone, done securely, and it's extremely accessible because it's online. BetterHelp has over 2,000 licensed therapists in all 50 states. You can use text, chat, phone, or video. 
and you can also easily change your counselor if needed so that you can find the perfect fit. They've got an all-inclusive plan, and that has one weekly scheduled live session with unlimited messaging, or they have a message-only plan where you can add video or phone sessions on an a la carte basis. And best of all, for listeners of this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month with the discount code IFPODCAST. You simply fill out a questionnaire and get matched with a counselor you'll love. So take charge of your mind today. Just go to betterhelp.com slash IFPODCAST. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash IFPODCAST. All right, now back to the show. All right, would you like to read the next listener question? Yes. This is from Ben, and the subject is heart rate. Hello, ladies. Love the show, and thank you for providing an educated conversation on the IF topic. I know you have touched on heart rate variability in previous episodes, but was wondering if you have come across any research on IF and how it may affect resting heart rate. Side note, my heart is fairly well conditioned. I have run three marathon distances or greater this year, and my most recent marathon was run in a semi-fasted state, 12 to 15.5 hours. I set a personal record of three hours and 30 minutes. Thank you for any insight you can provide on this subject. Yeah, so heart rate variability is a fascinating thing that I actually need to get more into. I actually don't have, I haven't used a monitor before. Have you, Jen? You know, I had an Apple Watch and it monitors your heart rate. So I have back then when I was wearing it, yes. I didn't do it like on like, oh my gosh, I must monitor my heart. It was just interesting. Yeah. So what it is, basically it's involved with how the sympathetic, the fight or flight and the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest state, how they interact. And we need to be able to quickly switch between those two effortlessly in a way. So you you want increased heart rate variability. You don't want like a steady, never changing heart rate. You want a heart rate that's in flux and is able to adapt to the environment and things like that. So that said, I mean, in general, for a baseline resting heart rate, in general, you don't want like a high resting heart rate. It's better, most likely that you have a lower resting heart rate. But like I said, that variability can be key and it can kind of tell where your stress is on any given day. So I'll put a link in the show notes that explore more about heart rate variability in general. But for example, some things that are not good for heart rate variability are things like obviously chronic stress, certain dietary choices, alcohol, too much exercise, inflammation, you know, unhealthy environment, certain supplements actually, too much exercise or too little exercise. So things like that. But then certain things are good for heart rate variability. So improving your diet, improving your sleep, doing breathing exercises, certain dietary substrates. So things like omega-3s, good fitness, things like that. So does fasting, how does that affect it? In general, it seems like intermittent fasting is actually very beneficial for heart rate variability from the research that I did. And I did find quite a few studies showing that where they looked at various fasts and how they affected heart rate variability and those factors. So I will put links in the show notes to those studies, but in general, it does seem that intermittent fasting is actually very beneficial for most people for heart rate variability. Yeah, I think it's huge. So I do plan to get some sort of device and start using it myself. Do you have thoughts on heart rate variability? We just hear this a lot in the Facebook groups. People talk about how their resting heart rate is down. So anecdotally, yes, we absolutely hear it. And I noticed the same exact thing when I did wear my Apple Watch that I no longer wear. But at one time, my my resting heart rate was the one that was like in the athletic range, which is hilarious because y'all know I am not athletic. But my resting heart rate was athletic. I can tell you, like, could be the fasting. Well, I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, we do hear that a lot. People say that their resting heart rate has gone down. Could it be the fasting? And, you know, when a lot of people say the same thing, you know, I know it's not an official study, but it's it starts to have some some merit when people say it over and over. Definitely. Before we get into our next questions, we can talk a little bit about some of the supporters of today's podcast. So first of all, we are supported by Native Deodorant. So we absolutely love Native Deodorant. What you put on your skin goes straight into your bloodstream. And 
Deodorant is one of those things that is often formulated with aluminum, parabens, sulfates, talc, a lot of other chemicals. When you're putting those especially underneath your arms, which is actually a key area connected to your lymph system, you're absorbing those chemicals straight into your bloodstream, which can be quite a problem. On the flip side, a lot of people are very hesitant to try, quote, natural deodorants because they think they might not be effective or that they'll have body odor or that they'll struggle with excess sweat. And so they can be hesitant to make that change. But thankfully, there is a company like Native that makes a fantastic deodorant that is actually formulated without those ingredients that I mentioned. It's made in the US with ingredients thoughtfully sourced from all around the world. They don't use animal testing. They use natural ingredients from things found in nature, like coconut oil, which has antimicrobial properties, shea butter, which is a moisturizer and emollient, and then tapioca starch, which can absorb wetness. So they finally have provided for us, thankfully, a safe, simple, effective deodorant. Cannot recommend them enough. So what has been your experience with Native? You know, I've talked about before on the podcast how I tried a bunch of natural deodorants over time because I really wanted to find one that worked. And the deodorant itself would always start to smell like BO. And then I would eventually give up and go back to regular deodorant. And the only one that didn't do that for me, Native, it's the only one that's worked. A friend of mine actually recommended it to me. I mean, this was like while I was still teaching. This is way before they sponsored us on the podcast. A friend of mine's like, you got, I was talking to her about this. I was at bus duty one day, in fact, talking about it. And she was like, you got to try Native. And I did. My favorite one is the coconut and vanilla because it just smells like summertime. Coconut, vanilla, what's not to like? And what I really like about it is, well, it works. And it doesn't start to smell like BO over time. And it keeps me smelling fresh. And it just works, unlike all the other natural ones I ever tried. So I am a big fan of Native deodorant. Can't recommend it highly enough. I'm really glad my friend told me about it that day. And also really happy to endorse it because, you know, we only endorse things that we like. And I'm always going to tell the truth about, you know, whether I like something or not and whether whether I use it. And this is one that's been in my medicine cabinet for a couple years now, at least. Yeah. So, and they're amazing and they have a lot of, they have basically something for everybody. So like Jen really likes that coconut and vanilla, but they also have other scents as well. They have limited edition seasonal scents, and then they have a unscented version for those of us like me that are sensitive butterflies. <laughs> and they do offer free returns. So there's no risk, no risk involved if it doesn't work for you. And we do have a special offer for listeners as per usual. So if you go to nativedeodorant.com slash ifpodcast and use the code ifpodcast at checkout, you will get 20% off your first purchase. So yes. That's pretty awesome. Nativedeodorant.com slash ifpodcast and use the promo code ifpodcast. And I'll put links to that in the show notes and you can get 20% off of Native. And then we are also supported today by Prep Dish, which we love Prep Dish. Jim, would you like to talk about your experience with Prep Dish? Yeah, I really do love Prep Dish just because... You know, so many of us are scrambling for time. You know, if you've got a family, and especially back when I was working, it's hard to know what to cook for your family every night. You want to have delicious meals. So Prep Dish is a great way to take some of that stress out of your life. You know, they send you, you know, by email, log in to their website, and you get meal plans that have, a you know, all the different weeks worth of food you could have and you can arrange it how you want. But the beauty of Prep Dish is that you have a weekly prep day where you do all of the prep work. And that doesn't mean you're actually cooking the whole week's worth of meals, but you're doing, you know, chopping and getting things ready so that during the week, you know, let's say it's Monday, you pull out whatever you're going to have that night and it's really quick to assemble and get a homemade meal on the table. So the beauty of it is, is that when you get the the weekly menu, it has a grocery list for you and you can go to the grocery store and buy all of it just right there, you know, before you do your prepping. And you can even swap out, you know, make a little substitution here and there that's super easy. Like, let's say one of the things it wants you to make is, is a side of cauliflower and maybe you're like Jen and you don't like cauliflower. You could get broccoli instead. And it's really easy to do that. 
And one other thing about PrepDish is they provide paleo and gluten-free meal plans. So you're automatically, in a way, you're gravitating towards whole foods and it's allowing you to make healthier choices in those recipes that you prepare. So it's like a win-win situation, healthy and delicious and tastes amazing. So, and we do have a special offer for our listeners. If you go to prepdish.com slash ifpodcast, you get a two-week free trial. Nothing to lose. I just love that so much. Like there's literally nothing to lose. It's completely free, guys, for two weeks. Um, So yeah, you can see if you like it. So definitely check that out. Yeah, and I think that once you try it, you'll see, and then you'll like, yeah, I got to keep doing this. (laughs) This is one of those things. They give you the free trial because they know you're going to want to do it how they get you. But that's how you know it's, I think, you know, it's a good product. Anything that you can provide completely free right off the bat, usually I feel like it means there's something, something there. All right. So the next question comes from Jade and the subject is sugar. And Jade says, I would love to hear your thoughts on sugar. After listening to some of the speakers on the Kick Sugar Summit, I am pretty confused. I love Dr. Saiwes's interview, but he made a comment about how we are kidding ourselves thinking it's okay to eat an apple that is loaded with sugar and justifying it by saying it's, quote, natural sugar. And by the way, neither Melanie nor I is sure how to pronounce this doctor's last name. It's it's spelled C-Y-W-E-S, and I just am, I have no frame of reference to how to say it. So we don't know. So we're so sorry, Dr. C-Y-E-S, that we don't know how to say your name. Hopefully we got it sort of in the ballpark. (laughs) So, and then Jade says, and and another speaker I enjoyed, Allison Gannett, said we are better off eating a Snickers bar than some fruits. She also mentions the sugar content in veggies like broccoli and that some people can handle it and others can't. I'm currently doing Whole30 where sugar is not allowed, but I can have all the fruits and veggies I want with a few exceptions. So I'm confused about how this plan is considered giving up sugar, but the speakers at this summit don't feel that way if you're still eating fruit. I'm feeling great on Whole30, and I have my own opinions about how we process a Snickers bar differently than we would an apple, but I really wanted to get your thoughts on this because I know you are both well-researched on nutrition. Thanks, ladies. Well, for anybody who doesn't know what the the Kick Sugar Summit is and why Jade is mentioning it, I was actually a featured speaker on the 2019 Kick Sugar Summit, and I was just thrilled to be asked to be one of their speakers and to bring intermittent fasting to their community. And so here's something really important to know. While I was a featured speaker and really glad to participate, and I think there was a lot of great stuff going on in the Kick Sugar Summit I do not share the same views as every speaker there. I do not think that an apple is the same thing as eating table sugar. I do not think that, you know, broccoli has so much sugar that you should be worried about it. I do not think that a Snickers bar is the same thing as a fruit. And I would encourage people to not get too caught up in, if if something sounds really sensational, it probably, you know, take it with a grain of salt. If you're concerned about fruit, read Dr. Jason Fung's book, The Obesity Code. And I know a lot of people don't understand because he's well-liked and part of the keto community and, in fact, uses the keto diet with a lot of his patients. But he does a great job talking about Things that are in natural foods, like the fiber, for example, that's in that apple, it's going to affect the way your body uses the energy from that apple. You know, if you take that apple and turn it into apple juice, that's really different than eating an apple and the way that it affects your body. And it has to do with how it's broken down, how it's processed, even eating foods with other foods. For example, if you eat sugar in ice cream. Your body is going to be different with the way that it processes that because of the full fat dairy versus if you just ate spoonfuls of sugar. So just because something has natural sugars in it, like a sugar content, that doesn't mean it's going to hit your body and hit your bloodstream the same way that just pure sugar does. You know, I don't want you to confuse yourself. And you could literally, you know, I I talked about this before and, and I like to joke about it. My husband and I played a game you know, one time we were on a road trip and you get bored on a road trip. So I was like, all right, I want you to name a food and I will tell you a diet protocol that says you should not eat that food. 
And I was able to do that for any food. But this is the thing. You know, if you listen to a vegetarian summit, they're going to have whole different speakers and whole different philosophies. And they're going to present stuff that sounds very scientific. And you'll be even more confused. So experts all have a different perspective. I mean, I guarantee there were probably people at that summit who don't agree with the way I do intermittent fasting and they don't think the clean fast is important. But you have to filter through it and figure out what works best for your body. And, you know, if you're feeling great doing Whole30 and you're eating fruits and vegetables and you feel fat, I mean, I eat fruits and vegetables. I know that if I ate, you know, broccoli I would not feel the same way as if I ate a Snickers bar on an empty stomach. So, you know, just listen to how your body feels. And yeah, fruits by themselves, you know, I'm not going to open my open my eating window with just an apple. I might have an apple with peanut butter because I think having that fat with it slows down the, the rate at which it's absorbed and processed. You've got the fiber from the fruit, but you've also got, you know, the fat from the peanut butter. You'll know if something is hitting your body really quickly if it's too much sugar for you. I mean, I have no doubt that a Starbucks latte is way too much sugar for me because of the way I feel if I have that on an empty stomach. So trust your body. Trust your body. (laughs) That's what I have to say. So I have so many thoughts about fruit and sugar and this whole concept. Okay, just a few things to talk about briefly. I believe fruit has been very improperly demonized because of all the studies that were done on high fructose corn syrup and people assuming, A, that that's the same thing as fruit, B, that fruit is fructose only, and so that that's all the same thing. Because there are so many studies showing how completely terrible refined fructose is in the form of high fructose corn syrup. Most people can agree it's pretty bad. And the studies seem to show that pretty consistently. That said, those studies are all done on refined fructose. They're not done on fruit. Beyond that, fruit isn't actually pure fructose. (laughs) It's quite often fructose in combination with glucose, which completely changes the way the the sugar is absorbed by the body because the fructose-glucose ratio affects how it is absorbed across the intestine, affects how it affects our bodies, There's a lot going on there when you have it in its whole natural form compared to a refined version. So fruit is not necessarily automatically sugar. For me, saying that eating fruit is worse than eating a Snickers bar, I'm not really sure. I would need to like have heard that in context of what she was saying because I – Yeah, that's such a huge point because I was thinking about that too. And we are just going on this – email question. So, you know, I didn't hear that talk. So that could be, you know, slightly not exactly how it was said. So I want to reiterate that, you know, we don't really know the context in which it was used. And, you know, when I think about the Snickers bar, I do see the point because it's got peanuts in it. You know, it's the sugar and the peanuts. And that might, you know, slow down the processing. So that might be the point. I know, you know, that might be what she meant. In context, it might have been really different. That was actually something I wanted to jump on because for a lot of people like you, Jen, it's interesting you said, you know, having an apple with peanut butter would be much better for you because it would slow down that blood sugar spike or how the insulin release. But for some people, that can actually be the perfect storm of everything problematic. It's very individual because for some people, their body might not be very attuned to processing both fat and sugar at the same time. And that might be where problems come in. So like for me, I can do really well if I eat just an apple, you know, by itself, or I wouldn't eat peanut butter, but, you know, some sort of nut butter. I would need to eat it by itself. If I combine those two, for me, it's like, who bad. <laughs> See, for me, I have to combine carbs and fat to feel my best. It's so interesting because, you know, some people really do thrive with that. And then some people, I think it completely wrecks them metabolically. So... This is something where you really have to experiment and find what works for you. Oh, and I will refer listeners. So there was actually a fantastic, fantastic exploration of how fructose versus glucose 
affects the body from whole foods so and from refined forms when coming from whole foods, how they affect the body. And that was – and I talked about her books last week, but Dr. Caroline Leaf. So in her book, Think and Eat Yourself Smart, she has a very, very scientific breakdown and discussion about how fructose versus glucose is processed by the body, how it affects various areas of our brain as far as appetite goes, satiety goes like feelings of reward. It's fascinating. So I will definitely recommend that listeners check that out if you're at all interested in this or concepts like this. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But for example, she she goes through all of the, the science of it, but she does advocate sugar from whole foods forms like fruit because it's coming with cofactors like vitamins that supports the body, helps the processing of the sugar, can be very nourishing for our bodies. It's funny, given our conversation at the beginning about how we should always be open to change, I'm like, I'm always being a proponent of, but I am currently always a proponent of whole foods over processed foods. And I don't think we should necessarily fear sugar from whole foods at all. I do think people function better on different amounts. I think for some people, lower carb is better. For other people, higher carb is better. For some people, lower carb during some parts of their life might be better, whereas later they might need more carbs. And I think that we should be open to open to that and change. But I don't think that we should fear sugar, especially in the form of whole foods. Well, you said not to fear it. And for example, like I mentioned that if I eat an apple by itself, I can tell that's, you know, that's not the best for my body, but I'm not afraid of an apple. That also doesn't make me think an apple is bad. I know that I feel okay, like I said, if I have an apple with peanut butter. So it's just a matter of learning to listen to your body. And so really, I totally believe, Dr. C-Y-W-E-S that I can't pronounce, I am certain that he feels that way when he eats those foods that he feels terrible. And so I believe it. When Allison Gannett said, you know, that some people can handle certain veggies and some cannot, I believe all of that 100%. But I don't think that we need to assume that that nobody can. And you need to really learn to trust how you feel. Yeah, exactly. And like, I'm glad you brought up the broccoli. It is true. Maybe for some people that small amount of sugar in the broccoli is going to affect them negatively. I think more likely problems that could come from broccoli would be like plant compounds in it or digestive distress or things like that. So context is key. Context is so key. And then something else that Jade said in her question, for example, she said on Whole30, sugar is not allowed but I can have all the fruits and veggies I want. So that's something else there to focus in on. Having all the fruits and veggies you want is a little different than saying yes, no to sugar. Because I think for a lot of people, sugar in the context of fruits and veggies, so natural sugar, is completely fine. But there may be a certain amount that makes it fine, and there may be a certain amount that's too much. So for some people, maybe all the fruits (laughs) – might be too much, but maybe some fruits would be okay. Or maybe lower sugar fruits like blueberries compared to say, you know, watermelon. But then some people might process watermelon perfectly and not blueberries. So it's really, really individual. But I just really think it's important to take home that refined sugar is not the same thing as fruits and vegetables. And like I said, I really enjoyed being a part of the Sugar Summit, and I'm really thankful to have had that chance. And I think it was excellent. I didn't have time to watch all the speakers. but I mean, literally, there were like 10 hours a day of speakers. So (laughs) unless you had 10 hours to listen, I did not. But a lot of people in my groups did watch a lot of them or listen to them when they were doing other things. And it was an absolutely fabulous summit. A lot of really great speakers, a lot of good information. And I was thrilled to have been featured among them. Really grateful for the opportunity and hope that we brought a lot of people from the Kick Sugar Summit to the intermittent fasting community and we can all coexist here together, whether you've kicked sugar or whether you're using it more sparingly or whichever camp you fall in. Can listeners still get access to that interview? My interview, no, unless you pay for it. You can purchase access to the Kick Sugar Summit. It's the Kick Sugar Summit 2019. And if you want to hear the whole lineup, if you're in my Facebook groups, I have an announcement about it there. And you can go through that link and find it. But I think it's, I can't remember how much it is. It costs more 
to buy access after it's over. But I think you also get access to all the past archives of what they've done as well. So if you go to, I think there's a Kick Sugar website. If you look for it, you can find it. But yeah, the free access for my talk is over. There is no more free access. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. If you would like to submit your own questions for the podcast, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com. Or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. We are a Himalaya partnered show. And if you would like access to our podcast 24 hours in advance, which is absolutely amazing, follow us in the Himalaya app. The Himalaya app is amazing. It allows you to keep track of all your podcasts in one place, make playlists, comments. It's just really I mean, I use it every single day of my life. I also have a playlist there called Intermittent Fasting Podcast Stuff We Like, and that's where I put links to other episodes that I really enjoy. So if you're looking for other content or things to listen to, listeners really, really like that playlist a lot. You can also follow us on Instagram. We are IF Podcast, and you can follow us on Twitter. We are the IF Pod. And all right, any final thoughts from you, Jen, before we go? Nope. I think we had another great episode. I think I say that every time. It's always true. We talk about so many interesting things. I'm like, are we are we ever going to run out of things to talk about? And we never do. Looking at our queue of questions, I don't think so. We never will. I know. It's crazy. All right. Well, I will talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you then. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember... The opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.